A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with me on the program today. We're going to be talking in just a moment with uh, the man of the week, Michael Cargill, who is the named plaintiff in, well, the case is now known as Garland versus Cargill. This is the uh, challenge to the ATF's ban on bump stocks. Uh, imposed during the Trump administration, the Supreme Court hearing oral arguments in uh, Michael Cargill's challenge to the ATF rule coming up tomorrow. And Michael joined us for an interview before he hopped on an airplane. He's going to be there at the Supreme Court when oral arguments take place. And we're going to talk with Michael about this case, uh, why he decided to bring this challenge, what uh, what he's been hearing as this challenge has now received nationwide attention uh, and Really, what happens uh, as a result of this case? Will the Supreme Court overturn the ATF's rule? And if so, does that implicate uh, the ATF's rulemaking in other areas like unfinished frames and receivers, pistol stabilizing braces, and the proposed rule uh, dealing with who is engaged in the business of selling firearms? Take a look and a listen. Michael, the man of the hour, thank you so much for joining me on the program today. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, listen, I mean, tomorrow is the big day in the Supreme Court, Garland versus Cargill oral arguments, and you will be there, right? Yes, sir. Absolutely. I'll be there up front uh, listening to both sides and listening to the questions that the justices have to ask. Yeah, you know, it's I, I always hesitate to read too much into the questions, but... I think you can sort of get a sense of where things are going um, based on uh, the line of questioning from uh, the conservative and the liberal wings of the court. The, the question before the Supreme Court right now is whether or not the ATF's ban on bump stocks um, violates the Administrative Procedures Act, right? Whether or not they had the authority to ban bump stocks or whether this should have been left to a vote of Congress. Correct. Uh, because, you know, we're talking about an administrative agency here. We're not talking about Congress. You know, the way bills become law, uh, they go through both houses. The president signs it, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That's how a bill becomes law. Not because an agency within the federal government, not the EPA, not OSHA, not any of those agencies, you know, they don't have that authority to do that. And they definitely don't have the authority to turn millions of Americans into felons overnight. Yeah. I mean, for years, the ATF had said the bump stocks were legal to own. Right. They were legal to possess. They were legal to sell. Um, but then after the uh, Las Vegas shooting, um, President Trump then uh, sort of directed the ATF to uh, to see what they could do. And the ATF, lo and behold, decided, you know what, we've, we've been reading this all wrong all these years. Uh, and in fact, bump stocks do uh, turn firearms into machine guns. And it was therefore a crime to possess a bump stock, right? right? The, the the existing owners were told, turn them over, hand them in, uh, because if you continue to possess them, well, you're committing a federal felony. Correct. And that's what I had to do. I had to turn mine into the ATF. And then that same day, we filed a lawsuit in federal court. Um, and, and the scary thing about all of this, Kim, is because you're talking about, they, they use that framework, the bump stock wording. They use the bump stock wording to say, hey, we're going to ban the bump stock. And then Remove bump stock from that. They inserted the brace. They inserted triggers and use that same framework, that same document. Just remove one word and insert one, another word to ban other parts and other you know items that they wanted to ban. And so they just went crazy with it because we gave them that inch and they took the mile. 
That's right. Yeah. I mean, to the point now, you know, you get to add frames and receivers, right? I would say even the proposed rule that's under consideration right now, being drafted, I should say, not under consideration. We know it's coming, but who is engaged in the business of selling firearms. And, that's correct. you know, and I, I will say too, Michael, I'm also concerned that uh, if the Supreme Court uh, finds in favor of the ATF here, that this could open the door quite frankly, to, uh, you know, one of the gun owners' top priorities, and that would be banning semi-automatic firearms. Um, yeah. If, you know, if, if they can say that, uh, well, uh, having a, uh, adding a bump stock is, is you know, converting a firearm to a machine gun, then what's to stop them from arguing, the ATF, from arguing that uh, semi-automatic firearms are readily converted to fully automatic firearms by their very nature, Right. Right. And that's why we go back to the definition of machine gun and what is actually a machine gun. So we're talking a function of the trigger. We're talking pulling the trigger, that function of the trigger. One round goes out. That's a semi-automatic. But if I pull the trigger, that function of the trigger only, you know, multiple rounds go out by holding that trigger, then that's a machine gun. And with the bump stock, you have to press the trigger each time. So... You, I'm hoping that the the U.S. the justices on the Supreme Court would take a look at this and side with the Fifth Circuit because the Fifth Circuit did a great job of understanding you know what my attorneys were presenting. Uh, they have it's a very great write up. So you know we'll see what the justices think. You know and 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 definitely going to pay attention. I'm paying attention to the Chief Justice um, and also uh, Amy Coney Barrett as well. So I'm, I'm curious to you know the questions that they're going to have to ask. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. I saw a gun control activist uh, said yesterday, well, the, the spirit of the law is with us. Right. Because Congress clearly intended uh, to uh, to stop these, you know, uh, multi shot firearms from hitting the streets. Now, to me, if a gun control activist is saying that the spirit of the law is with them, that means that the letter of the law is not. Um, so how does the ATF or how did the ATF get around this language that, uh, about the single function of a trigger? Um, what are they now saying makes a bump stock a machine gun? Right. They're, they're saying that basically um, each time, you know, even though you're pulling the trigger, they're saying, you know, you know, one round goes out. But they're saying because of the reaction of the gun going you know, back and forth, you know, that kind of works like a mach um, like a shotgun. Somehow they're equating that to meaning that it's a machine gun or it turns a, a, a rifle into a machine gun. And I, I just totally I don't understand, you know their mindset you know, of how they decide to change their mind all of a sudden about this, because like you said before, you know, this was legalized under the uh, Obama administration. And then, and then what happened was, um, uh, you know, when Trump came into office, then, you know, the shooting happened and he decided to ban them and just change their, their mindset altogether. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's hard to argue that this was not a politically motivated decision. Um, given the, the the timing and the circumstances uh, that the ATF tried to, you know, decided to revisit this rule. I don't know that that necessarily comes into play at oral arguments um, or whether we're going to, you know, strict, stick strictly to the technical aspects of the rule. But to me, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's the motivation for mm -hmm. the ATF deciding to abuse its authority, right? Um, that right. this was a response to a horrific crime. Um, but the, look, you know, as you say, we can acknowledge that this was a horrific crime, but that doesn't automatically give the ATF authority that it does not possess. Right. Absolutely. If Congress wanted to ban bump stocks or if Congress wanted to try to pass a semi-auto ban, which, by the way, I think would be unconstitutional. But, you know, that that again, it's the role of Congress to create new law. 
Not the role of executive branch agencies like the ATF. Right. And let me be clear, you know, this what happened in Las Vegas was a very heinous crime. And my thoughts and prayers go out to the families that are probably still suffering today because of that shooting. Um, But we're, you know, we're talking about, you know, the ATF and what they have the authority to do. Uh, We're talking about, you know, knee jerk reaction in turning millions of Americans into felons overnight because of of what one madman, you know, allegedly did. Uh, So, you know, we're, we're, you know, my attorney who actually argued several cases in front of the Supreme Court is going to be the one that's going to argue, you know, this case, you know, for me, uh, he's actually argued a case for President Trump. He's argued a case in the the Supreme Court also, you know, for the fishermen as well. And and with the fishermen, it was the same type of case. You know, we're talking about, you know, e-commerce, the commerce department, you know, can they create a right law? Same thing. So I'm confident that my attorney is going to be able to present his side of the case, my side of the case, and present my voice um, in relaying my message and, and how, you know, exactly what the definition of a machine gun is. And also the fact that an agency within the federal government uh, who is not Congress cannot create a right law. What made you decide that you wanted to litigate Michael, after you, you know, were forced to hand over your bump stocks, what made you decide, you know what, I'm taking this to court. I'm not going to take this line down. Yeah, I, I decided that really before I surrendered them because I really didn't want to turn it in. I, I honestly, I contemplated, you know, should I bury them in the backyard? You know, should I, you know, you know, what should I do? Should I turn them in? Should I go ahead and just cut them up and destroy them like the ATF said, you know, cut them up in several different pieces um, and take pictures of it or whatever? Or, you know, you know. I actually, you know, sat down and, and prayed on it. And I say, you know, no, I, th- I think we need to fight this. I was upset at the time that um, everyone was on board. They said, hey, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go ahead and give up the bump stop. You know, a lot of organizations out there were on board with this. Uh, and I said, no, I just can't go along with this because I was afraid that down the road, what was going to happen was, you know, they were going to turn into something else. And it turned out I was right. And I'm glad I did stand up and, and, and fight this because we're talking about 2018. Here we are in 2024. And this case is now just going before the United States Supreme Court. A lot of people are upset about the brace ban. It will be years before a brace ban case can make it up to the Supreme Court. Right now, today, we have our chance to save the brace. We have our chance to save our triggers. We have our chance to say what save whatever parts and pieces the ATF, the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms want to ban. And we're going to do that with the bump stock. The bump stock will be the case, the most important case of our lifetime, because it's going to save millions of Americans from losing different parts, pieces, and firearms, and from becoming felons overnight. Yeah, and hopefully rein in the ATF from continuing these abuses in the future. Uh, because you're right, this is this is about bump stocks, but it is about more than that as well. Um I have to ask, I mean, you've been getting a lot of national attention in this case. Uh, ABC News had a big piece on this case on Primetime Live this week. Uh, what's been the reaction? Um, have you been hearing from folks, gun owners, uh, gun control activists, uh, about your involvement in the case? Yes. The, as far as the gun community, everyone's on board. We're all locked, stop and barrel on, on the, you know, marching to the same beat, the same drum as far as the pro-gun community. Um, you know, we're... Everyone's in support of, you know, getting this this case heard before the United States Supreme Court and and hearing what they have to say on the anti-gun community. They're saying, you know, they're trying to you know, we're trying to legalize or I'm trying to legalize machine guns. But, you know, we have to you know go to the NFA, the National Firearms Act and say, you know what, I can get a machine gun right now if I want to. 
I can get a pre-ban. I can, you know, pay a $200 tax stamp fee. I can, you know, fill out the paper, get my photo, my fingerprints, and I can have a machine gun. It's the same background check I get when I buy any other gun, but I have to wait, have to be registered, you know, and pay the $200 tax and fill out the paperwork, and that's it. So it's not legalizing machine guns. It's not, you know, <laughs> so they're painting this false narrative of what this case is really about. I think they have to, honestly, um, because, again, they're all in favor of these ATF abuses, right? They they they, they want these to continue. They, they want to expand the ATF's uh, rulemaking authority, even though they don't really have the authority to make uh, new legislation to begin with. So yeah, you have to be the villain in this story for the gun control groups, right? You, you have to be the guy who's putting uh, bump stocks ahead of human lives. And that's the narrative that they want to frame it. Whereas the real question, I think, again, comes back to um, what, how much power and authority are these agencies allowed to abrogate from Congress? That, that's right. it. And again, we know, I mean, we, we know that if given the opportunity, uh, administrations, including the Biden administration, will seize on tragedy, try to, uh, uh, you know, usurp the law um, and impose their own restrictions in violation of the APA and the separation of powers. And that, to me, is what this case is about. We all, as you say, we all were heartbroken by what happened in Las Vegas. All of us, gun control activists, Second Amendment activists, want to see less violent crime. That's not the question. That's not the debate. The debate is over, um, do, you, do you stay within the bounds of the Constitution, or is the court going to give free reign to administrative agencies to go off on their own uh, without any regard whatsoever? for the federal statutes, as well as our individual right to keep and bear arms. That's right. And I like to remind people, you know, it's called the Bill of Rights for a reason. It's called the Bill of Rights. It's not called the Bill of Needs. Um, we're, we're talking about, you know, you're, man, you, you hit the nail on the head. I can't even add anything to that uh, <laughs> at all, uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, in a, you know, and, and praying that the, you know, the ATF sees it our way so that, you know, we can go on and, you know, exercise our Second Amendment rights and, and, and don't worry, you know, have to worry about, you know, whether you know, this family uh, down the road who doesn't know, not keeping up to date in current events, uh, they call the police to their house for, for some reason or another because some incident happened. Police come over to fill out a report to assist them. And then they find out they, the police officer looks around and sees a bump stock or something that the ATF banned and turned this family into felons because of that. And they weren't up to date on what's going on. You know, these are some, you know, exactly what you said. And this is what we're talking about. Uh, we're, I, I'm doing this because I want to protect, you know, everyone, not just the gun community, you know, uh, everyone, all Americans and everyone should be paying attention to February 28th. This is a day that I think, you know, it's going it, to we're going to make history this day. I'm very you know, hopeful of that. And so we'll see what happens. Well, I am hopeful as well. I got to say, Michael, you are one of my favorite folks in the Second Amendment community. I, I love getting a chance to talk with you every time we have a chance to sit down. And uh, I will be with you in spirit there at the Supreme Court tomorrow. I know that a lot of other gun owners feel the same way. They're uh, right by your side. And uh, I hope that we can have you back again. It's going to be a few months before we get a decision from the Supreme Court here. But um, fingers crossed we get a good one. I'll be watching and listening very closely to the uh, questions that are posed tomorrow. And I'd love to have you back in the future. Uh, because, you know, if it's not this case, you 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 are always doing something uh, to preserve our freedoms, to advance our rights. And uh, and I thank you so much for all of your activism and in every sphere 
of the Second Amendment. So thank you. Yes, sir. Absolutely. As always, more guns equals less crime. Go out there and buy yourself a gun. There you go. Michael Cargill joining us here on Bearing Arms Cam and Company. We'll talk to you again soon. Now, my thanks to Michael for joining us on the program today. Safe travels to Washington, D.C. And uh, yeah, fingers crossed we get a good ruling from the Supreme Court here on the bump stock ban. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a case out of Memphis, Tennessee. Now you've got the Democrats in the Tennessee legislature saying, oh, we need gun control laws, we need red flag laws, we need gun bans, we need uh, you know this and that, sensitive places. They don't want to talk about headlines like this. Suspect with long criminal history, including being a convicted felon, arrested again. Yeah. Uh, and it is a long criminal history. The uh, suspect uh, in this case, a guy uh, identified as Wayne Sanders. Back on February 16th, officers responded to a Dollar General on Elvis Presley Boulevard in Memphis after they'd been told about a stolen vehicle. Officers were told that the victim was standing in line when she was approached by a man who demanded her car keys. He then snatched the keys from the victim, drove away in her 2004 Chrysler Crossfire. Oh, those are cool cars. February 24th, Officers said they saw the same vehicle, pretty recognizable, uh, driving east on Wabash Street shortly after 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Two men got out of the vehicle and ran away as police were waiting for additional officers to uh, arrive on the scene. The driver, later identified as Wayne Sanders, then entered a home allegedly armed with multiple weapons, tried to hide in the attic, ended up falling through the ceiling onto the carport area of the house, according to an affidavit filed in Shelby County. Taken into custody at the time. Officers said they checked the immediate area and found three different loaded guns. One of them reported stolen out of a South Haven. Sanders bond said at just $35,000, he was charged with three counts of being a convicted felon in possession of a handgun, theft of property between $2,500 and $10,000, evading arrest on foot and more. As it turns out, again, this is just the latest appearance that Mr. Sanders has made in court. Going back 10 years ago, 2014, he was convicted of aggravated assault, sentenced to six years in the Tennessee Department of Corrections, but... Just four years later, in 2018, uh, he had a litany of offenses, including failure to appear in a felony case, possession of a controlled substance, marijuana, uh, being a convicted felon, possession of a handgun, unlawful carrying or possession of a weapon. His bond said at $10,000 in that case, following year 2019, when he still should have been behind bars for aggravated assault, he had offenses for criminal attempted robbery and aggravated assault in 2020. He was arrested and charged with theft of property worth more than $1,000 or worth $1,000 or less, uh, as well as, quote, especially aggravated robbery. And then in 2021, he had defenses that include failure to appear in a felony case, unlawful possession of a handgun, criminal attempt at robbery, possession of cocaine with intent to manufacture, sell and deliver. And I guess the revolving door of justice just keeps putting Mr. Sanders back out on the street, despite all of these arrests on, in many cases, pretty serious charges. And now, once again, he is behind bars, well, at least temporarily, on this $35,000 bond. Once again, charged with being a felon in possession, as well as uh, not specifically theft of a motor vehicle, but uh, basically grand theft, uh, given the uh, value of that car. One wonders how long it will be before Mr. Sanders is released again, and once again appears in the court blotters there in Shelby County, Tennessee. My guess, unfortunately... It won't be long. Uh, finally, well, no, not finally. We haven't even gotten to today's armed citizen story yet. Let's uh, talk about that in San Antonio, Texas, where a, a homeowner shot a car burglary suspect uh, overnight. I guess this was uh, either late Monday, early Tuesday morning, uh, about three thirty. 
this morning. So we don't have a lot of information here. San Antonio police say that they uh, talked to a guy who said he realized that somebody was breaking into his car outside of his home. He walked outside, confronted uh, what appeared to be two car burglars um, at some point. And again, we don't know what led to this, but uh, shots fired. Uh, at least 10 rounds fired by the uh, homeowner. The suspected burglar hit at least twice. Short time later, that burglar suspect uh, showed up with gunshot wounds at a local hospital. I uh, told staff that he had walked to the hospital from the shooting scene, but officers found his red car in the parking lot with blood inside. He was then taken to another hospital by ambulance. A last report listed in stable condition with gunshot wounds to both legs. Uh, police say they're also investigating whether another person was with this suspect at the time of the shooting. And the uh, car in question has been uh, towed away. The investigation does continue. And again, uh, this is in the very early stages. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring you more information as the uh, investigation develops and continues. But uh, right now, it does not appear as if the homeowner is facing any charges. Uh, police uh, seem to be investigating this as a case of self-defense. But again, we will uh, keep our eyes peeled for any additional information out of San Antonio. Now, finally, today, our good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, a pair of off-duty officers in Fall River, Massachusetts, who were able to uh, save a man on the slopes not long ago. Here is the uh, young man in question, as well as the uh, officers who were in the right place at the right time. Officers uh, Guy Furtado and Garrett Nelson, off-duty. They were at the Akimo Mountain Resort back on January 28th. They were just doing some skiing uh, when they heard a man screaming for help. 45-year-old William Paulson Jr. of Manchester, seen uh, yelling after his 20-year-old son, Nathan, had collapsed. So the officers made their way over to where Nathan was lying unresponsive and um, started performing CPR. Nathan Paulson said he doesn't remember any of this. He credits, though, for Tato and Nelson for saving his life. Uh, both men said that Nathan now on the road to recovery, and they are hoping that uh, father and son can actually uh, go skiing with officers for Tato and Nelson next year uh, once Nathan has been medically cleared to once again engage in those types of activities. But uh, he is alive today uh, thanks to the life-saving efforts of these uh, off-duty officers, Guy Furtado, Garrett Nelson from uh, Fall River, in the right place at the right time and again. Willing and able to do the right thing to save the life of another. Now, that's going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program. As always, I'm looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow. We're going to be talking about this uh, very cool event that the Gun Owners of America put in on this summer. It's called the Goals Summit. It's going to take place in Knoxville, Tennessee. And uh, you're going to learn all about this brand new event coming up on tomorrow's Cam and Company. I am hoping to make it down to Knoxville for that uh, later this year. And looking forward to talking with the folks from Gun Owners of America about this brand new event and what they are hoping to accomplish by bringing, hopefully, thousands of gun owners to East Tennessee for a weekend of Second Amendment freedom coming up in just a couple of months. Be sure to check out BarryandArms.com throughout the day. We're keeping you up to date on all of the latest Second Amendment news and information. And if you like what you see, I'd encourage you to become a VIP or VIP Gold member. All you have to do, go to BarryandArms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code SAVEAMERICA, and you can get 50% off your VIP or VIP Gold membership. As our of saying thanks, we're going to give you exclusive content you won't find anywhere else because your support really does make a difference and it truly does matter. So thank you again. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe. You don't need the music, right? And of course, be free.